What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Good morning, everybody. It's Rachel Silver Cohen. We are ditching the couch, grabbing the mics. We are breaking down all the unpolished wreckage. I am here with the one and only DB, Dr. Boca. And here we go. It's another episode of Unpolished Therapy. Good morning, Dr. Boca. Good morning, Rachel. How you doing? I'm doing great. I missed you. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. I am so excited to be here because the topic that we have today, I feel like it's in the air. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's just everywhere I turn, people are asking me my thoughts, my opinions. Um, they're making comments about this topic. And, you know, I don't want to like lead our audience on, but you're always so much better about bringing up the conversation piece than I am. But I'm really excited that we're tackling this today. Well, good. So the listeners are probably like, well, what is the topic you say, Dr. Boca? Right. That's why so... I turned it to you. <laughs> well, let's just kind of keep the carrot dangled for okay. a, a minute with the audience because, and we'll play a little game with them. It's sort of like a one-sided game because they're not here to comment out loud. But to the audience out there, what hot topic have you folks, women and men for that matter, have you been hearing about all the buzz, whether you see it on the commercials, it, the jingle rings in my ear 24-7, or the talk of the town when you're out to dinner or your whispers at the gym or whatever that like, how did so-and-so get so skinny? And like, where did that come from? And what is she drinking? Or what is he doing? And somehow this big hot topic is none other than drum roll. I mean, cat's out of the bag, right? With that. Totally. I like to call it A-E-I-O-Zempic. You, <laughs> why? Right? Oh my God. Love, love, love. Yes, exactly that. Like, why? And people are coming up to me, like legit coming up to me and saying, what are your thoughts on it? As though... Me being Dr. Boko, that makes me a guru on all medical things, which of course it does not. And I'm looking at them and I was like, there's so much to tackle here. So I am so excited to tackle it with you, Rage, because I think we're going to offer so many different perspectives on it. And I know that you're usually the disclaimer gal, but I'm going to disclaim myself and you at this point. We're nowhere near being experts on this other than living, breathing, and seeing it everywhere that we're going. We are not medical experts. All that we're talking about is just solely for entertainment right now. And it's just the two of us kind of putting out all the questions that we're getting, all of our questions, the responses, and just having fun with it. So I just wanted to cover both of our tushies. Yeah. And look, we've said from day one, or I've certainly said from day one, I'm I'm a professional unprofessional. Right, we're unpolished. <laughs> yeah. And in this case, I am professionally unpolishedly unprofessional, but I am a professional with having an opinion. Yes. I have also been an opinion gatherer from all these, as I like to call them, you know, my Yenta vagina friends who are calling me up or texting me and want to whisper and talk about this one's on Ozempic and that one's on Ozempic. So I have been saying for weeks now, oh my God, we've got to talk about Ozempic. We've got to talk about Ozempic. And I guess life gets in the way. So with that being said, I'm thrilled that we are talking about it. I want to kind of just start with the fact that my guess is Ozempic, as it was originally intended to be has been around for quite some time. And why do I know this? I know this because I work from home, as we all know, since <laughs> the pandemic, and I have the TV on in the background as sort of just background noise. And for day after day, week after week, month after month, and now here we are year after year, I would hear in the backgrounds of commercials, regardless of the channel that I'm on, right? I've been hearing, oh, Ozempic, right? I didn't even know what the commercial was for and what I was listening to, but somehow the jingle would stay in my mind. And then somehow it, it would become more and more consistent on, I guess, the commercial track. I really only listen with half an ear because when you start to hear all these drugs, they it basically sounds like poison and not just Ozempic, but all of them when they start to say like, contact your healthcare provider because it may cause severe swelling and itching and a lump in your neck and you might have a rash and you might have trouble breathing. There's that, right? And Absolutely. then I'm still working. But then they're like, 
You may also want to contact your doctor because somehow you may come down with pancreatitis and you may have diabetic retinopathy. And if you have vision changes and then I'm still not listening and then I'm like, who's taking this, right? And then a big red flag, there may be aliens that come in through your fireplace and you may wake (laughs) up in the morning with three eyes and the next thing you know, you have a penis when you should have a vagina. It just, it doesn't stop with all of the disclaimers, vomiting, diarrhea, nausea, dehydration, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing that it says right out of the gate, okay, and it doesn't take a rocket scientist and it doesn't even take anyone like who's just so courageous to bear all these potential side effects. It says this is not for weight loss. This is not a weight loss drug, okay? It says it plain and simple, okay? It's the first thing out there. And yet everybody. And yet, and yet. So let's back up. Ozempic, as we knew it to be initially, Mm -hmm. whether we were paying attention to the commercials or not, whether we were literally willing to give up our firstborn because we might die of Ozempic, right, was for type 2 diabetic patients. Correct. Okay. Now, let's sort of break that down. There's type 1 diabetes and there's type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetics are insulin-dependent diabetics, okay? These are people who have an autoimmune genetic condition where their body is deflecting, repelling, is saying, insulin, I don't like you, goodbye, Charlie, and my pancreas is not going to allow my body to produce insulin. Well, what is insulin, you ask? So insulin is a hormone that your body is mandated. It needs this hormone that your pancreas makes to help the glucose, which is your sugar levels, to regulate yourself. And and the sugar levels are, that's your energy, right? Mm -hmm. And and that's what flushes through your bloodstream. It's the energy that you need to function, presumably so, okay? Look at you, by the way. I'm very impressed. Just well, not out don't, there. I mean, listen, I wish I didn't know as much as I do about being a type one insulin dependent diabetic, but I do because my mom is insulin dependent. And that is one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this ozempic brouhaha because I care from a personal level and I'm kind of jumping around a little bit, but one of the big controversies is over the needing it and the need not and people who are potentially abusing the drug for more of like a vanity standpoint as and can't get it when they need it. Right. right. These diabetics who actually need this drug to live cannot get it. So now what I want to say, though, just before all the naysayers start banging down our email door is that type one insulin dependent diabetics and Ozempic have nothing to do with one another. Correct. They need to actually take an injection of insulin to live, to survive. Okay. Ozempic is for type Type 2 diabetes, which Mm -hmm. presumably so, again, we are not doctors, is more of a lifestyle cause and effect. Obesity, sedentary lifestyle, your body is still having a little bit of trouble with insulin, okay? But nowhere near the point that an insulin-dependent diabetic type 1 or juvenile diabetics would run into this problem. So if they have unhealthy eating habits, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. And that is why, Dr. Boca, a lot of people will say that type 2 diabetics, they can really monitor this on their own if they would figure out how to change their lifestyle, right? Right. And eat eat better, make better choices, exercise more, do cardiovascular at the gym or what have you. Correct. 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 So when we talk about now knowing like the back of our hands, this little jingle with Ozempic, and they talk about Ozempic is not a weight loss drug and studies say it doesn't increase your risk of cardiovascular disease, right? But apparently it lowers your A1C, right? So well, mm-hmm. what is your A1C? I, to be honest, I didn't know what I that didn't was, know either. right? Mm-hmm. So I looked it up. Your A1C is like the tests that they do when they draw your blood to see how your sugar levels are managing, mm-hmm. I suppose, right? Yes. So when you're a diabetic, your insulin levels are sky high, mm-hmm. okay? Your blood, that's that high blood sugar. Right. And when it's so high, that is incredibly dangerous. So you take insulin to manage and maintain a proper blood sugar level. 
So for these type twoers out there, these Ozempic users, their A1C levels are being reduced by this drug. Therefore, I suppose it's helping with the weight loss. It's helping lower Mm -hmm. their cholesterol. It's helping whatever the regular insulin producing means are that your pancreas was a little fucked up on for the real diabetics. And then I guess if you fall into this type two category. So what is the controversy we ask, right? I suppose as of late and late as defined by the last, what what would you say? Six months, seven months? Yeah, I would say it's becoming a topic of conversation in the last six months. And I would say the people that were really savvy or were dealing with weight for a very long time or were doing a lot of the cosmetic-oriented types of procedures, had an in probably between a year and a year and a half ago, but it was like on the hush-hush down low. Nobody knew what they were talking about. But So that would be like my timeline in my head. Okay. So we're in agreement on that. And I think the operative phrase you just said was this hush-hush, because Mm -hmm. here's the thing, right? We did an episode probably a year and a half ago about the difference between secrets and privacy, right? Okay. Mm -hmm. I am not here to make judgment on people who are not willing to be open about what their medical mishaps are, right? I know a lot of us are a little skeptical. Maybe we're embarrassed. Maybe we're this. Maybe we're that. Which, by the way, I think it's important if for no other reason than being like-minded and letting people know that we are not perfect and everyone's got their own shtick and agenda relative to maintaining whatever their medical situations are. And you do reserve the right to share or not share. But the issue at stake is is that I think people are being secretive Mm -hmm. about how they are all of a sudden runway ready. Right. Losing weight like by the 30s, 50s, hundreds of pounds. Whereas seven, eight months ago, they were like these lumps on a log and Mm -hmm. Muffin Top was their middle name. And we've now even the playing field. But how even is that playing field if you're not sharing your playbook and you're basically alluding or lying? And again, again, the naysayers may say, well, just because I'm not saying it doesn't mean I'm lying. But it's kind of like you know, you know, there's so many things I could liken it to, but to say you're not doing something that you're doing and now all of a sudden, you know, you you moved into Jack LaLanne's fitness center when for 50 some odd years, you didn't even know what a weight was. And now you're coming out svelte and lean and you want us to just like compliment you and pat you on the back. Like it just doesn't add up. And I think that's what the controversy amongst the other controversies, but that's the one from that vanity standpoint of like, what the hell did he or she do? Yeah. I, and I guess, Rachel, I understand what you're saying 100%. However, devil's advocate, you know, just kind of seeing it from the other side. And you and you made a differentiation between lying about it and saying no. Oh, you know, Rachel, are you on Ozempic? And you say no, but you are actually on Ozempic. That is very different than us be watching other people who are now jack-o'-leaning, right? And not asking or them not telling, right? Those are two totally different ex- experiences. When somebody lies, they lie. But I respect that we don't always share what it is that we're doing. And that's okay. We can keep it to ourselves. And people are, they may be embarrassed about using this, or they may feel as though, you know what, it's really just none of your business how I lost the weight. Or why are you, what was the saying that they did? Um, and when our kids were little, don't ooh my yum, right? Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't yuck it, my yum. Yeah, don't yuck my yum, right? Don't yuck my yum. Like this is what I needed to do. And you don't understand because you weren't ever struggling with weight or you were never 300 pounds or what have you. The other side of it is, hey, if we can tell people and be proud of what we're, the accomplishment that we've had and we could help somebody else potentially get access to this or understand what this is and share in this and put it out into the world so nobody else has to suffer. Well, that's the flip side of keeping it secret. Well, and you know how we've said on on many episodes having zero to do with this topic, but just in general that like there's enough sunshine for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. We can all shine in our own way and someone having success or achieving greatness has absolutely no bearing on the success that I may want 
to achieve or strive for. So that's the piece where like it really bothers me when people are trying to sneak around and not share. Like for instance, one of my friends who blanket statement is not on Ozempic, but we have just had a ball of a party cracking up about the scandalistic way that this has kind of come to the surface. And she likened it to like, if someone comes up to me and they're like, oh my God, I love your shoes, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, you know, or or, I guess like, I love your shoes. Where did you get them? Okay. Okay. I don't know where I got them. What, What did like the shoe fairy just drop them in your mailbox? Like, why wouldn't you share where you got like, why do you have to keep it such a big secret? To me, the biggest form of flattery is imitation or, you know, whatever that expression is. And it's like to make up like, oh, gee, I, I, I forgot. I don't know where I got it. Or, or can I get back to you on it? Like, are you kidding me? And this is maybe not exactly the same, but it's sort of like, I mean, my unpolished likening is like, you know, when Bill Clinton was like, you know, <laughs> I did not have sexual relations with that girl. Um, well, I mean, you kind of now we come to realize you sort of did. I guess it really depends on how you're defining sexual relations. Like if you would just have admitted it out of the gate, maybe we wouldn't even have this conversation right now because it would be what it would be. Why the secretiveness? If you have struggled, Dr. Boko, all these years with weight issues, and now all of a sudden you got the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden Golden fucking ticket, ticket, right? Right. I would be, and and that no one can steal that ticket from you. It's my Mm -hmm. ticket and it's working and it's paying off, right? Why not wear that loud and proud on your new spelt chest? (laughs) Well, I, I think that people are fearful of the judgment and aren't we doing a podcast to talk about it? But because we're hearing so many people talking about it and being judgmental about the way, you know, I was having a conversation the other day and somebody asked me about it. And I was like, you know, it's so funny because we're going to be doing a podcast on it. And somebody else was part of that conversation that I didn't even know. And they were absolutely not. This is terrible for you. This is not safe. And I was like, okay, I haven't done enough research on my own. I'm just hearing what's going out in the community. I have to research this and understand it. But that was already the judgment piece that I'm sure a lot of the people that are on these types of drugs don't want to hear, right? I think that it's a process. It's a a personal choice and a personal process. And not everybody is as receptive as you and I are, to loud and proud on the svelte chest, it's more shame. It's more, you know, when people lose a lot of weight, it's kind of getting to know that new body, kind of getting to, you know, not see the heaviness that they used to have. It's them still coming to a place of non-judgment for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that they shouldn't be putting it out there loud and proud. And I'm not saying that they shouldn't be keeping it secret. I can't judge that. That's for them, whoever's using it, to have that right to share or not share. But I understand why we want them to share. But I think we also just have to be patient with them and let them kind of do it. And especially now that it is impossible to get, right? What they don't probably want to hear is you're taking from somebody who needs it. So there's that judgment component also. So I do respect that some people are leery about saying it. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because that leads me to, I remember back in the day of the pandemic where it was like such a hush-hush thing if person A got the vaccine before person B based on what the criteria was to cut the line, but then they were figuring out shortcuts to cut the line. And then it was like, how dare that person? And don't they know that so-and-so needs it more or less? And I don't want to get into the whole vaccine thing, but, you know, someone like myself, look, I'm almost 51 years old. And I think we've talked, you know, in the almost hundred episodes that we've done, I think we've talked one time about the fact that I have psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis, right? Correct. So I don't want to be a hypocrite in saying like, oh, I, I announce everything and then say like, well, what do you mean? I mean, you're telling me what you had for lunch every day. Well, how come you don't talk about this? So I am talking about it in the sense that it isn't something that I'm screaming from a megaphone, but it is something that I live with. And I will tell you sitting here here right now, I am due for my medication that Mm -hmm. I take and I am one week behind on when I normally take it. And I got to tell you, my body hates my guts right now. Yeah, I hurt. 
My lower back is screaming right now. My neck is killing me. That is not to say that it's all from the psoriatic rheumatoid arthritis. I'm sure my lifestyle choices and wearing high heels or what I'm eating or whatever, Mm -hmm. all of that plays into it and my age in general. But the reason I'm bringing it up is that I don't know what I would do if I could not get my hands on that medication and I need it, not for Mm -hmm. vanity. I mean, although it does help in the vanity category, not not for weight, you know, I don't want to have breakout psoriasis all over, Mm -hmm. right? So that is one of the main components of why I take it. But also now as I get older, the, the joint pain and the idea that there could be people out there, let's just say, if I'm like likening it to this drug for me, if I couldn't get my hands on that drug for what I physically need it for to function, because somebody else wanted to lose a few extra pounds and they got it in lieu of me, I'd be fucking pissed. Yeah. Right? And look, and Adderall, same thing. There are kids out there, adults out there that are suffering and can't do their job because other people either want to snort it or mm-hmm. they use it because they want to lose weight in a different, you know, a different way than Ozempic. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a family member who has Crohn's and lupus, and hydroxychloroquine is the treatment of choice for lupus. And during the entire time of COVID, couldn't like struggled to get medicine that was life saving medicine for them. So there is that piece of gosh, I don't want anybody to to know and I don't want to share that information. And I'm not saying that's correct, but there's so much judgment and so much stigma in this new world right now about Ozempic that mm-hmm. I'm just trying to see all sides of it. That's right. all. And that's fair. Look, it's not just Ozempic. There's right. that Manjaro, which is now like a one-off from Ozempic. And I think that's the other thing too. All of a sudden, these magic drugs that were initially marketed for one problem, now they're realizing, wait, hold on a second. And and let's call it what it is. Weight loss and that industry in and of itself is a multi-quadrillion dollar industry. So if someone out there, and now I'm playing the other end of the spectrum in that holy cow, the marketing gurus out there, if now we see that this drug is helping people lose tens and tens of pounds of weight, why don't we revamp the marketing on this and use it for something else? And that's why this has turned into a snowball effect because come hell nor high water, if someone's overweight and now they're hearing magic this, magic that, and I don't have to get up off my ass and go to the gym and do it the hard way, why not not signing up for that? Look, and and maybe, listen, back to the judgment piece, I'm going to call it like I see it. I don't have 30 pounds to lose, right? right? But for someone like me, I would kill in this perimenopausal sure. kind of parking lot Ten. phase that I'm in right now, Ten, I would love to lose five to eight pounds. Yeah. You want to fast track me and you want to give me some type of magic potion that I don't have to get off my ass and work for it. Fucking sign, sign me, me up, up. Yo, right? right? So I see it from that vanity perspective that I want to be in the HOV lane, right? But then you have to look at it like this. We've lived our whole lives, and I know you well enough to know how you were raised. You know me well enough to know how mm-hmm. I was raised. We both know how we're trying to raise our children. Sure. Um, but there is no quick fix. There, there is no shortcut. The road less traveled is the road less traveled for a reason. It's not a cliche just to be a cliche. If we all want to get our kids into college and pay someone under the table like Lori Locken or whatever her name is and go to jail, that's the consequence, right? right. If we want to pay $8 zillion under par and buy a Chanel bag on the street from the guy on the corner, right? Because he's like, oh, it's beautiful. It's real. It's this and that. And he's selling it to you and selling it to you and selling it to you. But then all of a sudden the police walk by right. and he has whipped up that bag in a 30 so second and he's out of there in a New York City second. There's a consequence to that, right? right? So these consequences, right? Like that quick fix with the world of instant gratification that we live in now. I know you're not a medical doctor from the prescription standpoint, Dr. Boca, but there's got to be a consequence down the road. This is all brand new. Are people taking advantage and using this in a way that it's going to come back to kick them in the ass literally and figuratively down the road. It was the question that I had and I was like, for sure, 
putting this foreign substance into your body, triggering your body to go into such an extreme weight loss so quickly can't be good for your body, right? I have dug and dug and dug. So it's funny you said that. I did all this research. I looked. I, there had to be something. And interestingly, last week, I happened to be somewhere and I bumped into someone I hadn't seen in forever, happens to be a GI doctor. So you know me, I'm going to start conversation and I'm going to get the information that I need. Now, GI doctor in Boca Raton. So we're not talking not aware mm-hmm. of the drugs like Ozempic and stuff. So I drilled the poor mm-hmm. man. Okay. Like I felt like Rachel, right? It felt like you. I totally did. Like boom, boom, boom. How like I just fired off the question. Doesn't it feel good to ask all those questions? Yeah, it it kind of did because I was so confused by this, right? And I'm, you know, I'm late to the game. I'm gonna be honest. Like I wasn't, I wasn't kind of keeping up with it again because it's not relevant to me. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I guess we kind of funnel in information that's relevant to us. So I was like, okay, give it to me straight. Ozempic. The second you stop it, you're going to gain back the weight. This can't be good. You're putting foreign substance into you. You're shutting your body down. You're mm-hmm. affecting it. And he looked at me and he's like, well, and I was like, <laughs> seriously? And he's like, well, he's like, I actually am a proponent of a different drug. And I was like, no, or just okay. now that there's all these one-offs. No, one that he's been using for right. years and years and years and years and years and years. Okay. And it's Victosa. Okay. Okay. Which is one of the other ones like Monaro yep. and it's one you don't yep. hear about. So I okay. said, okay. So I, you know, I, I pulled out my Rachel hat and I was like, it's the ugly stepchild to I, Ozempic. I, I guess so. Right. Cause it's, and I said, why then am I only hearing about the Ozempic? Yeah. He goes, Marketing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They put a fortune into marketing. That's yeah, why you're I, hearing oh, about it. Oh, 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 And right. ready? If you have retinal di- diabetes right. or if you right. have vision changes or you might have vomiting, diarrhea. I mean, I, I literally I could do the it. voiceover. Right. You could totally do <laughs> So I'm like, so tell me about this drug that nobody's talking about. Like, why is this better than Ozempic? And he shared with me, he's like, listen, he said, one of the reasons you don't hear about it is because obviously marketing. Two, the difference between this drug and the Ozempic is Ozempic is one shot a week. This mm-hmm. one is one shot a day. Okay, well, you know what? If you want to lose weight, I guess, you know, if, if And if is, that's... is this just for weight loss or no. was this under the guise of type 2 diabetic patients? It was under the same guise as the Munjaro okay. and, all, and all of those drugs. So it falls under So initially under that... intended yes. for people who were having some issues with their insulin or, or some very lifestyle right. and sugar. yada, yada. Was sugar okay. is sugar what level. he was saying. Okay. Right. Okay. So I said, okay, side effects. Like I know there had to have been side effects. So like one shot a day is kind of annoying, I would guess, but small price to pay for big gain mm-hmm. or I guess big loss if mm-hmm. we're talking about no weight. Pun. Okay, no fun. Yeah. So he's like, yeah. He said, so I said, so what are you seeing? Like, are you seeing people dying? Are you seeing people, you know, like foreheads after, you know, we talked about the vaccines initially because um, people were just scared and didn't know. Are, are there you, UFOs landing in their patio? Right, exactly. So like, I was like, come on, give it to me. Give it to me straight. I can take it. And he's like, honestly, there's really no side effects. And I was like, wait, what? And he said to me, he's like, a lot of people may have like diarrhea um, within the first diarrhea, 10 days. nauseous, indigestion. Oh, wait, that's for Pepto-Bismol, <laughs> I think. No, I, I know the whole, you know the and they have like a whole dance that they do right. to it. But yep, yep, anyway, yep. I mean, does I think every drug has to say, you might have diarrhea, you might and get nausea, heartburn, you right? might that's have what nausea. He was uh-huh. So I was like, really? He said, well, and then I knew something was coming. Yeah. And he goes, on that rare, rare, rare mm-hmm. case, he said, somebody might develop pancreatitis. And I was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> like, well, said, they, pancreatitis, they do say it yeah, on the those, adverse potential side effects. For well, Ozempic. they literally list everything on, yeah. as a, a CYA, right? Of course. Yeah. So I said, hangnail, you might get a splinter. <laughs> so one of the things that he did say to me is it's very important, particularly because of the pancreatitis, that the blood be drawn regularly. And mm-hmm. so if you're going to a place that is not drawing blood regularly, whether you are on the compound that they're doing mm-hmm. or you're taking the actual Ozempic or Victosa, he said, run as fast as you can because you need your blood levels checked. 
that's how they're going to determine if there's pancreatitis. And if there is pancreatitis, I said, okay, so there's pancreatitis. They can never be on another drug. He goes, no, nope, not true. We'll find a different solution. Then I said, so w- what's the win here? Like, what are they, you know, they're paying a fortune. He goes, well, that's another issue. And I said, right, they're going to pay like $800 a week and they're doing a shot or $800 a month on Ozempic. And he said, well, this drug is cheaper and this drug you can get. And I was like, where? Like on the corner of Audacity and Advice by like a dealer? I mean, like, that's another thing too, because I've heard some shade about right. where people are picking up the faux Zempics. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, I like faux that. Faux as in like the, the fake. fake Ozempic brands. Oh, they're going to the med spas. They're going to wherever. They're getting the compounded part from pharmacies. This one, he said, I'm a doctor. I get it. I actually receive the drug and can get it. So I said, oh, so what's going to happen? Like, tell me what happens. Like, are they on this all the rest of their life? How much weight are they really losing? Like, there's got to be a catch here. So he said in the first six months, so he's saying you're monitoring your blood once a month. And then in the first six months, he typically sees that his patients are losing on average about 50 pounds. And I was like, five zero, five zero. I was like, say what? And he said, <laughs> like half of us. I, I know that I, like, I, if I lost 50 pounds, I almost at my birth weight, you know? Yeah. So he says, I said, okay, so then what happens? Then they go on into the wilderness and then they come back 50 pounds heavier than the, yeah. where they started. He goes, honestly, He goes, some come back after like a two-year stint, others I never see again. And I said, well, do they gain the weight back? And he said to me, he's like, some, if they didn't learn how to eat while they're taking the medicine, will gain the weight back. He said, but if you're on it long enough and you're doing it properly, you can truly reset in your brain your, I don't know what the word is called, but it's like where your ideal weight should be and where your body's going to carry, like to max out. And I was like, come on, like, really? Like he said, yes. And I said, okay, so now I have one more for you. He's like, what? I go, I walk into your office and our listeners, a lot of you have probably seen me on social media. And if you haven't seen me on social media, I am not by any means overweight. I'm in shape. I am not perfect. I don't care. I'm good with where I'm at. Okay. So I probably am about 20 to 21% body fat, okay? So I said to him, I go, so if I walk into your office and I said to you, I have a mitzvah coming up, I want to lose five pounds, are you going to give it to me? And he to said, which no. he replied, oh, good, I'm glad. He said, he no. Said I said, so you really don't have any Boca women coming in who are saying like, I need to lose that eight to 10 pounds of perimenopausal weight. And he said, I am saying that there are guidelines that we need to follow. And I said, okay, so what are they? And he said, typically it's, you have to be between 20 and 25 pounds overweight before he would even have the discussion with you. And I said, okay, so is insurance covering this? And he said, well, he said, it depends. If you can prove that you have high sugar, right? And you're pre-diabetic, we could probably get it covered. He said, if you can't, then chances are you're not going to get anything, right? So I said, well, are these people really pre-diabetic? And he looked at me and I said, so they're going home. They're shoving their mouths with cookies and cake and whatever candy the day before and all these carbs the day before they're doing their blood draw. And then they come into your office, you draw the blood. And if they're high, now they're pre-diabetic. And he's like, basically, that's how this works. And I was like, oh my God. So I said, what's the downfall here? I don't understand. There's got to be. And he said, listen, he goes, honestly, other than the fact that you can't get the other drugs, he said, and the pancreatitis, and, you know, we want to not have people reliant on medication for so long. He said, what I'm seeing is those people who are overweight, those people who have diabetes, those people who are on high cholesterol medicine or cholesterol medicine for high cholesterol. He said, after six months on the meds, on the shots, they're kind of off their meds. He said, so I've seen it help so many people that I do have a hard time saying it's a bad drug for people. And I'm sitting here mouth on the floor. Like, I don't understand this. And then I said to myself, I'm like, yeah, we can go around town looking at people and know who's on the drug. And you know what I mean by that. Yeah. 
So hang on one second, because you just said a lot there. And I I just want to chime in a little bit. I'll get back to your comment about math on the floor from like a literal standpoint in a Mm -hmm. moment. But I want to point out, look, that doctor, whoever he is, he, you know, he, he, he's a reputable doctor. I get it. I I respect what his answers were. And I am not here to say that Ozempic, when taken for the right reasons, is not a miracle drug. I'm sure it is. And I do think it's fantastic. And if these type two diabetic individuals who are, I think it is kind of part and parcel. If you're truly type two diabetic, you're obese to begin with, you're living a sedentary life, your eating habits are are horrendous and your cholesterol is probably through the roof. And and that all probably is a package deal, right? Right. And you should take the medicine. Yeah. You should take the medicine. And, you know, I have a friend who's 58 years old who has struggled with her weight her entire life. And according to her, she had had high cholesterol for many, 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 many years. She is on Ozempic. And I respect the fact that she is open about it because she's open about it in the sense that she's like, I don't care what anyone says. You can naysay till the cows come home. But for anyone who struggled with their weight and not the either or, but the and like, remember, we did that yeah. one episode also, and overweight and high cholesterol and dieted her entire life and just could never move the needle. This is something that has been an absolute game changer for her. Sure. And she's proud of it. I, she actually wanted to come on the podcast and talk about it. And the timing didn't work out, but it wasn't because she was ashamed or anything. She's saying that not only has it changed her life, but for a type two diabetic, if you're on this drug, it essentially because it's a lifestyle yep. that for the most part, I don't know the exact percentages on this, but I would I would maintain the argument that more than not, if you're a type two diabetic, you've brought it on yourself. Therefore, you can reverse it. And if this medication helps reverse it, um, then it's a win for everyone. Sure. But she's now lost upwards of 30 pounds. Wow. Her children are adult children. They're on Ozempic also. Yeah. I asked her, are you worried about, you know, what what the long-term side effects are? Because, you know, when you start to hear about like doctors are prescribing it and there's different name brands and then the Mm -hmm. generic, to me, it it sounds an awful, like the fen-fen craze in the 80s when people Mm -hmm. started dying and then they had to pull it from the shelf. So I'm not here to suggest that that's what this is. It just sounds fairly reminiscent that it is kind of too good to be true. And then for people like me, my judgment comes in that if I don't fall into the category of being able to take this miracle drug, I'm really annoyed because my body hurts and I'm achy and I'm older and my metabolism has slowed down and I want to lose a couple extra pounds and not have to do anything. It's not fair. It's not fair. I've I've spent my whole life at the gym working very hard. It's what I'm hearing you say. And like, I can't go to the gym the same way that I used to. So why can't I do this and make it easier is what I'm hearing from you. I guess the other thing I want to mention too, in terms of the risk reward, because my friend did say she's not really that concerned about the risk because look on the back of a Tylenol bottle, or if you were on medication specifically for high cholesterol, right? And then you stop taking your cholesterol medication. Well, what's going to happen? Your cholesterol is going to go back up, right? Like you have to look at the risk risk reward. The medication, I take Stellara, which is an injectable. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's one of the biologics. It is an injectable. And I am not going to pretend that when I started taking this after my kids were, when I was finished having kids, that I didn't read all the fine line. I wasn't a nervous wreck about what's going to happen down the road. One of the reasons I didn't start taking it until after I was done having children is because of all the risks that I didn't want the UFO to show up in my backyard. I didn't want to wake up with three eyes. I didn't want to have horns coming out. I didn't, God forbid, a million times. I don't want to have cancer one day if they're able to relate it back to that 1% of 1% or whatever the percentage is that maybe this drug is going to have adverse side effects. And, you know, it's like when you used to give the example of like the whack-a-mole, we're fixing one problem, but then we're creating another problem. And we do have to look at the risk reward. But my friend was telling me who's on it. She said, I've never felt better. I'm going to stay on it for as long as I can and figure out a way to be healthy, but not abuse it. Right. I mean, Mm -hmm. she's like scream it from the rooftops loud and proud but back to that face dragging thing and I, I she looks terrific so I, I don't want to use her as the example but I do think some people who are misusing it 
are the ones that they don't have to wear the t-shirt, hey, I'm on Ozempic, because their face is on the floor and they have that Ozempic face where all the collagen is gone and they're, they mm-hmm. actually look worse now. Imagine that than they did with the extra weight on them. Well, yeah. And and look, that's with a lot of drugs, you know, anything that brings across or brings about significant weight loss, right? So it's not really Ozempic that's doing it. It's that they're having significant weight loss in a quick period of time and the skin is stretched out. So their stomach's going to show it, their face is going to show it, but a lot of people lose weight in their face first. You know, there's plastic surgery, there's fillers, like literally articles I was reading was like, okay, so you get filler like that you can fix, but then you're putting another toxin into your body, right? So with this risk and reward piece and the skin and all of that, everything has the cost to it, right? And literally in this case, there's some that have a cost of monetary cost because this stuff is uber, uber expensive if you're paying out of pocket. And it is cost prohibitive for many, 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 many people. If you're fortunate enough that you can get it or you can get the compound of it and it's not as expensive or you can do it a lot of the med spas are doing it because they get it in, in larger quantities and they're doing promotions and things like that. You do run the risk of the skin. Okay, maybe people don't care. You get a facelift, you do whatever, and that's in their budget and that's what they want to do. I don't know. All I can say is when I work with my patients, the ironically, a lot of the times when people are resistant to going on, say, an antidepressant, an anti-anxiety drug because of the negative side effects, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. ironically, the example I use is like, if you had diabetes, would you take insulin, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, and I have mm-hmm. to change this now. But the truth yeah. is antidepressants, anti-anxiety drugs, all the, the Xanax that people are on, all the Adderall, the Zoloft, the Paxils, they all have these warnings, not black box warnings like Ozempic has. Okay. And that is something that I would like our listeners to understand that Ozempic does have a black box warning on it, as do some of the other ones that in mice and I was going to say in mice and men, but that's not mm-hmm. actually accurate. Um, In mice and lab rats. When Lenny took Ozempic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great book. That this could potentially cause thyroid cancer. Yeah. Well, so, it does say, it does say, yes. Dr. Boca, if you have thyroid issues, do yep. not take. There are contraindications, as there are with every single medication that we take. So any of our listeners, if you are going down that road, be very careful that you don't have any of the contraindications. So I just wanted to put that out that, you know, for some people, it is about the risk and reward. And that is, I get that, and it is understandable. And so you have to kind of pick and choose what works for you. Yeah. You know, the other thing I wanted to tell you before when you were mentioning about your brain kind of learns to regulate. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend who is on Ozempic, the 58-year-old, she mentioned a point that I, I felt was was fairly valid. And she said, you know, for people who have struggled yeah. forever with weight, right? I mean, that's their addiction, eating, yeah. right? So someone who she was likening it to like being an alcoholic, okay? Mm -hmm. When you're an alcoholic, if you make that hard choice to stop, right, you never pick up another drink again. And that's one of your roadblocks, right? When you're a food addict, let's say, you still have to eat. So it's Mm -hmm. like that carrot, which probably carrot cake that's being (laughs) dangled as opposed to like the healthy (laughs) carrot. But there is something that you are, have that internal constant battle. And apparently, mm-hmm. and you know, I can't speak to this firsthand, but according to this Ozempic user, there is something in this drug that really does pre or reprogram the brain's receptors to quiet yes. the mind on that. And those addictions or cravings, if you will, I guess over time really do subside. So if we're going to look at it from that perspective, if you had, to your point, you were saying like, I think depression and anxiety is one of those ugly stepchild illnesses that people Mm -hmm. don't want to equate to a real disease, a real quote unquote, like a cancer or diabetes or something along those lines, because it just seems more shameful. And maybe in this case, people who do truly struggle with weight, that is their disease. Now I'm here to say, again, being unpolished, that to me, I'm not as sensitive to others as I should be, because I look at it as like, really just shut your fucking fat mouth and get on the treadmill and fucking figure it out. And maybe I need to give a little bit more grace because maybe it truly is 
a real addiction that I'm not likening it to something as quote unquote serious as a cancer or diabetes or something like that. Yeah. And and that was the point that I made at the beginning of this. There's a lot of people out there who don't admit that they have a food addiction because there's so much shame around it. And I cannot purport to know what it's like to be 20 to 25 pounds overweight or even more so. You know, I know many people that are. I just have never been in that situation. So I'm, I appreciate, Rachel, that you could take a step back and find that grace. You know, I go back to what I always say. We have to know what works for us. And if we need assistance. You know, here I am as a therapist in my day job. And I would say to somebody, if you need help, it's okay. And we should ask for that help, whatever that help is. And I'm not here to judge if you want to go on a psychotropic medication or you want to sit in therapy or jumping in a in a a, a cold tank, you know, in order to shock your yeah, system and then yeah, sit yeah. in a and then sweat it out. It's yeah, the not, cold baths. Yeah, it's not for me to determine mm-hmm. what treatment choice works and that I should impose that on you. I know. So, I don't you I just also think too, it it is a societal norm that there's gonna be judgment. And right. then now the Ozempic users who technically are probably the ones that would be more of the abusing of it because they don't really need it. It's becoming normalized without them really admitting it, like these celebrities. And when you see it all over social media, and I think that's where the judgment gets skewed because it's not your sister's cousin's aunt who's been struggling. And and isn't it great that they found Mm -hmm. a a way to combat their struggle? It's all these hoity-toity, fancy-schmancy, label-whoring celebrities that are just doling out the cash because they can, but then they're really not using the platform in a healthy way. And then everyone at home is just eye-googling on their phones. And then that is what's making the regular folk feel badly, which then in turns increases the depression and the anxiety and the yada yada. And then we have this vicious circle of just pandemonium. Well, and this is where I, as a professional, Mm -hmm. am so disappointed with the other professionals, right, that are taking those people in the med spas who have the money and don't really have the weight to lose or don't have the addiction. You know, when uh, when somebody goes in for bariatric surgery, they need a psych consult, mm-hmm. okay? They have to go through a, with a psychologist, they have to go through an assessment to determine if they can handle the aftermath and the trauma mm-hmm. that's associated with the surgery, but as well as be able to maintain not eating to the same level that they did before, blah, right. blah, blah. They don't just get to go in and say, hey, can you cut my stomach? Cut my stomach, right? right. And so. I think we as a medical profession has to look at it and say, are we doing a disservice, you know, by jumping on the bandwagon and giving this to people who really don't need it? Because we always talk about anything, you know, in the extremes is is not good, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I sit very strongly on that. And in this situation, if somebody needs to lose eight pounds, the risk could be worse than the reward. And so I want our medical professionals and I want the pharmaceutical companies. I understand everybody wants to make a buck. This is the American way, right? But we need to be responsible in the way that we're doing it. And just because somebody can pay, you know, when the celebrities can pay $15,000, that still doesn't mean that we should be giving them the medication. And so that's the piece of it that is concerning because if everybody played the rules correctly, the Mm -hmm. people that actually need it, whether it was for weight loss or type 2 diabetes, hand in hand, they would Mm -hmm. have the medicine that they need Mm -hmm. and it would be covered by insurance. They would have access to it and they would be getting on a healthy way. And the people that are 10 pounds overweight would have to figure it out by Mm -hmm. hard work, exercise, and eating. I put out to the listeners out there, um, let us know your thoughts. The few people that reached out to me, they were incredibly gracious about owning up Mm -hmm. to what they do versus what they don't do. And I respect that tremendously. Again, I don't want to sound hypocritical because I I know I said earlier that I, I do understand why some people, you know, potentially are hesitant about sharing real medical issues that they do have. But I'm gonna stand on ceremony with my point of if we all were a little bit more vulnerable and shared what our shit is, right? What our struggles are, yeah. Shit, 
that we would all kind of feel a little bit more on the same playing field relative to not having to be perfect. And again, for the majority of our listening audience, we don't have a lot of the young collegiate, you know, perfection of real youth here. It's predominantly, you know, our 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, you know, and and the 90 year old. So I, I, I don't know many of us as we get up there that we haven't had some issues along the way. And if we were a little bit more open to sharing what they are, maybe the strength in numbers from that end could really, from a mental perspective sure. and the mental health piece of it, we could feel as though we're not alone. And that when drugs like this or different cocktails come up to help, we can rally around it from a positive perspective as opposed to an envious or or a jealousy standpoint because we think that people are abusing it unnecessarily. Right. And we can push back against the the cultural expectation that we need to use it inappropriately because we have to fit the bill of what's walking down the runway or we have to look perfect because that's what they're showing on social media. And so I do think that I'll, I'll always advocate for vulnerability. I'll always advocate for having those tough conversations as we've talked about numerous times on the podcast because everybody wins then, whether it's the people that need it, the people that don't need it, the people that are going down the mental health route the wrong way, the people that are going down the mental health route because of necessity. So, Rach, I'm glad we were bold enough to at least have the conversation and educate our listeners because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. I was surprised by a lot of it. I do think there's abuse. I think there's a lot of awareness to the fact that the drug exists, but we need to understand all of it in order to make educated decisions. Absolutely. I agree with you tenfold. With that being said, guys out there, hit us up. Let us know what your thoughts are. It is anonymous. We're not going to out you. If you take it, If you don't take it, what are your thoughts about it? What are your opinions about it, unpolished or not? We want to hear it. We can relay it in a way back to our audience thereafter. But we love, uh, you know, a little controversy. And it's nice sometimes to see the difference in opinions. Because again, it's just an opinion. It doesn't mean what we're saying is factual. If anything, what Dr. Broke and I are saying more times than not is (laughs) not factual. (laughs) We are just trying to get our unpolished opinions out there. And it was high time that we did talk about the Ozem brouhaha. But so I'm glad we did. Thanks for sharing your time with me, Dr. Boca, on it. And we love hearing the feedback from the listeners out there. Also, if there are any questions, comments, concerns, opinions, unpolished or polished, you can email us at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unpolished Therapy. Our account on Twitter, I think, is on Ozempic because it's practically (laughs) non-existent. It's whittling and wasting away. So it is on Ozempic, I think. I think so. Oh, I think so. Right. right? Well, it's um, working. With that being said, right? Yeah. Listen, I mean, what can I tell you? I'm here all day, folks. All right, Dr. Boca, thank you so much. We will see you next week when our wheels and yours get spun upside down. This has been Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca. It's been another episode of Unpolished Therapy. Have a great week, everybody. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone, like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.